It's December 27th, 2021, the last week of another horrible year, the second year of COVID. And there have been a lot of losses. And just over a month ago, we lost our modern Shakespeare, a giant of not just musical theater, but theater generally, Stephen Sondheim. And since he died in the last few weeks, the tributes and testimonials have poured in, not just praising his genius and artistic legacy, but, but people have been sharing stories about, um, about how Sondheim inspired them or wrote them beautiful and gracious words of praise and encouragement. Well, this is not that kind of story. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, and now in its 16th year, number 786, My Sondheim Tale. Back in 2014, I interviewed Reduce Shakespeare Company co-founder Adam Long about his one-man-plus-one-accompanist show, Satan Sings Mostly Sondheim. Adam's script for the show was being published by a magazine called The Sondheim Review, and I was asked by their editor, Russell Dembin, whether I would do a, a Q&A-style interview with Adam to run in the same issue. I recorded Adam's and my conversation. I edited it into a short article for the Sondheim Review, and then I posted a lengthier uh, audio version of the interview as a podcast, episode number 420. In one of my emails with Russ Demben, who'd, who'd been with the Sondheim Review for a while and who then went on to become an associate editor at American Theater and is still a friend, uh, in one of those emails I asked Russ whether he knew if Stephen Sondheim had ever acknowledged a debt to the musical The Fantastics. For those who don't know, The Fantastics is the world's longest-running musical, written by Tom Jones, not that Tom Jones, and Harvey Schmidt. The show opened off-Broadway in 1960 and ran for 42 years, over 17,000 performances. Try to Remember and Soon It's Gonna Rain are probably the two most well-known songs, and, and my affection for The Fantastics is admittedly probably disproportionate to its merits. There was a commercial production of it in San Francisco in the 1970s, and one of my father's very good friends played one of the two fathers in the show, so we would sing the songs around our house a lot. And in fact, um, my sister arranged for our children to sing one of our dad's favorite songs from the Fantastics, Plant a Radish, at his memorial service in early 2016. So when I saw the Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine show Sunday in the Park with George on Broadway in 1984, I was delighted and amused by the opening of Act Two, which depicts the characters in the famous Seurat painting singing It's Hot Up Here as they hang on the wall in a gallery. I was amused because that is exactly how the opening of Act Two begins in The Fantastics, with a group of supposedly happy people frozen in a tableau and complaining about the heat. So just for emphasis, you should know, I love Sunday in the Park with George. If forced to choose, it might be my favorite Sondheim show. And certainly, if I had to choose 
five desert island discs, the only things I could listen to if stuck forever on a desert island, they'd probably all be these Sondheim original cast recordings. Sunday in the Park with George, Sweeney Todd, Merrily We Roll Along, A Little Night Music, and Assassins, and Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, crammed together in a single case. So I'm cheating. That's six instead of five. But importantly, I don't love Into the Woods, probably Sondheim and Lapine's most popular and successful musical. Um, and, and I probably don't like it because I love Sunday in the Park and the Fantastics so much. I saw Into the Woods in previews on Broadway, and, and because of Sunday, I... I probably had unreasonably high expectations. But when I realized it's, that in Into the Woods, Sondheim and Lapine were exploring the notion that there's no such thing as a happily ever after, I thought to myself, well, wait, the Fantastics have already covered this. And that was even before we got to Sondheim's supposedly profound conclusion that, quote, careful the things you say, children will listen which is identical to the inciting incident of the Fantastics, wherein the fathers of a neighboring boy and girl pretend to hate the other's child because they know their children will be listening and will instantly do the opposite, which is to fall in love with each other, which is what the two fathers actually want. So, I confess, I don't love Into the Woods as much as most people, because I think in terms of musicals exploring theatrical ideas and themes of what happens after, happily ever after... The Fantastics got there almost 30 years earlier and, for my money, got there more simply and more elegantly. And for those of you thinking, oh, fire truck this guy, he's an idiot, stick around, it gets better. Russ, my editor at the Sondheim Review, um, said he didn't think anybody had ever written about that, and he'd certainly never read anything about Sondheim commenting on that, and he asked me whether I'd be interested in writing about this similarity between The Fantastics and Sunday in the Park with George and Into the Woods. I said I would because I, I hoped it would allow me to interview Sondheim and or Lapine about it, because, and, and this is exactly how I ended my article, quote, since the original off-Broadway production of The Fantastics ran for 42 years and over 17,000 performances, it seems likely that Lapine and Sondheim must have encountered The Fantastics in some form or another, and I would love to know whether it spoke to them as it spoke to me. After all, I concluded, musicals often explore similar theatrical territory, and in Sondheim's own words, no one is alone. So I wrote my little article for the spring 2016 issue of the Sondheim Review, which, and I'm fairly certain this is a coincidence, turned out to be the final issue of this wonderful publication. The title of the piece was Trying to Remember, Were Sondheim and Lapine Influenced by the Fantastics? And in it, I said every, pretty much everything I've already told you. But I also added the observation that I thought the song Children Will Listen in Into the Woods was similar to the song Sondheim added to Assassins called Something Just Broke. I wrote, quote, For what it's worth, I feel the same way about the addition of the new penultimate number in Assassins. Both Something Just Broke and Children Will Listen feel unnecessary and simplistic in what are otherwise wonderfully dark and complex evenings. They're reductive, in other words, and not in a good way, unquote. You know, I was, I, I was trying to provide context for my thinking. You know what? I will post the entire article on this episode's webpage, and you can re read the whole impertinent article yourself. 
So then, a couple of months after the article appeared, I got an email from Russ saying that they had heard from Sondheim, who was very upset. Sondheim thought I was accusing him of plagiarism and wanted me to post the original article online and an, uh, my apology for it, also without saying that he'd asked me to do that. Well, needless to say, I was horrified to think Sondheim thought I was accusing him of plagiarism, but I thought posting an apology online was a bad idea that would only call more attention to my article, which I was pretty sure something Sondheim probably would not have liked. So I offered to write an apology, which I was genuinely happy to do, and it was forwarded to Mr. Sondheim. In, I said that in my article, I'd written that, quote, for whatever reason, unquote, Sondheim doesn't mention the authors of the Fantastics the way he mentions other lyricists in his two books, Finishing the Hat and Look, I Made a Hat. But I had forgotten that he says quite clearly in both of those books that he doesn't talk about other creators who are still alive. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Russ and the other editors at the Sondheim Review forgot that, too. So that didn't get caught. So I, I wrote my apology and I mailed it off, hoping that that would be the end of it. Little did I know how much Sondheim enjoyed correspondence and setting the record straight. Because about 10 days later, I got this response. Dear Mr. Titchener, Stephen Sondheim wrote, Thank you for your letter although I must say that it reaches a height of disingenuousness that I've rarely seen. All right, here's my first comment. Really? <laughs> a 50-year career in musical theater, of all places, and you've never seen disingenuousness before, like mine? That strains credulity. He goes on to say, You say that you didn't intend to accuse me of plagiarizing moments from the Fantastics, but you open your article with the sentence, Has Stephen Sondheim ever acknowledged a debt to Tom Jones? Dot, 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 question mark. Debt? If that's not an accusation, I don't know what is. Well, it's not. What can I tell you? He goes on, The fact is that not only was I not in any way influenced by the Fantastics, but my opinion of that show is best summed up by the fact that when someone recently asked me the definition of the word twee, I replied, Have you ever seen the Fantastics? Which I think is fair. The parentheses, the only aspect of the show that doesn't make me want immediately to take a hot shower is Harvey Schmidt's music. All right, nice compliment for the music there. He goes on, your article is clearly an attempt to trash much of what I've written, as evidenced by your dragging in your criticism of, of assassins for no reason at all, or, as you say, quote, for what it's worth. It's worth nothing, Mr. Titchener. I've, I've never heard the expression in high dudgeon used before, but now I know what it means. It's worth nothing, Mr. Titchener. Definitely seems like it was written in high dudgeon. And I don't know how he thinks that it was clearly a tra attempt to trash much of what he's written, because I said that his music is an inspiration, and that I would take his CDs to the desert island with me. But okay, I get it. He's upset. Fair enough. He concludes his final paragraph. 
I have no idea what prompted you to write such a mean-spirited piece, but I suspect you've been waiting to do it for many years. You call it, quote, honest curiosity, unquote, but I think you should take a good look in the mirror and see if you can be honest with yourself about your reasons. Yours truly, Stephen Sondheim. Well, <laughs> I didn't, I, it wasn't mean-spirited. <laughs> I can see how it would read that way. It's hard to put tone in a letter, and you if you think I'm out to attack you, then everything you read is going to sound like an attack. But honestly, accusing me of disingenuousness and that I should take a good look in the mirror, that seems to me like a little thing they call projection, maybe? Accusing me th of things that might be true for him? It doesn't matter. I wrote what I wrote. He wrote what he wrote. And the man is absolutely entitled to any and all opinions. When I, when I told some friends about the letter, I heard, I began to hear stories about others who'd received letters like this from the great man, uh, who loved to set the record straight, correct and correct points of fact, and even correct mistaken opinions. Oh, your opinion? It's wrong. Hmm. One friend said, welcome to the club, and another said that I should frame the letter and hang it in a bathroom. Well, I do have it framed, but it's on the wall in my office, next to um, some letters that are actually quite lovely from Beverly Cleary, Stephen King, and Hillary Clinton. I am still horrified that Stephen Sondheim thought I was out to get him, but I can totally understand it. Who does this pisher, meaning me, think he is? If I were in his shoes, I'd probably think I was some both-sizing 9-11 truther a-hole going, I'm just asking the question. But I am. I'm genuinely curious about the creative process and where ideas come from and how they percolate. So I'm, I'm disappointed he attacked me rather than engaging with the question. But again, fair enough. He's entitled. Probably somebody more well-known to him might have been able to get a more thoughtful answer. Um... Because I, I, I still think the Fantastics opened in 1960. It had been around for a very long time. It strains credulity that bits of the Fantastics weren't rattling around his, his Stephen Sondheim's brain just a little bit. And no matter what I say and no matter what he says, the Act Two openings of both Sunday in the Park with George and the Fantastics are identical. Still... Rest in power, Mr. Sondheim. Thank you for all of your art and for this letter. It's not the letter I wish I had received, but it's the one I have. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your impertinent opinions via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. Thanks as always to 40-something New York City bachelor who's now presented as a woman, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited and music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Claire Maria Naughton. No reason, it's just random. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. 
I'm Austin Titchener, 786, 2358ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. This podcast is a production of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.